Welcome back to Crescent in the Afternoon. This is Tom Nash, contributing apologist for Catholic Answers, filling in for Al Cresta today. And there is a great analogy, longstanding connection between sports and living the faith. St. Paul talks about it in his letters, you know, running the great race and all that. Because the lessons that we learn on the field can be applied in terms of living the faith and vice versa. And joining me now to talk about that, uh, based upon his uh, article today in Crisis Magazine Online, is Kevin Wells. He's a former Major League Baseball writer, Catholic speaker, author of Priest and Beggar, The Heroic Life of Venerable Aloysius Schwartz from Ignatius Press, and also his best-selling book, The Priests We Need to Save the Church, which was published by Sophia Institute Press in 2019. And his book, or I should say his article today in Crisis Magazine, is called In This Wintertime, only the Catholic way will save us, and he connects it with his boyhood, and not just boyhood, but into adulthood affection for the Baltimore Orioles, who are doing very well this year. Uh, and Kevin, tell us about how we can connect what the Orioles have done with the faith, and we'll talk about the Oriole way to begin with. Welcome to the program. Hey, Tom. It's it's great to be with you. Yeah, whenever we can, uh, as you said, Tom, combine <clears throat> sports and um, uh, our faith, it, it's not always an easy thing to, 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 to sort of um, combine the two, but, but, but Paul had it right. You know, we have to win the race. We have to fight hard. And, and Tom, I'll start just by saying this. You know, I was fortunate as a sports writer to cover some of the greatest athletes, I think, who ever lived. You know, I covered Michael Jordan. I covered Shaquille O'Neal. I covered Cal Ripken, Ken Griff. You know, I covered the great ones. And, yeah. And I never met or never covered a single athlete who didn't suffer and sacrifice and endure pain to be the very best they could be. And, and I think it's the same with our faith. You know, we, we need to sacrifice and suffer some to, to be strong Catholics, especially Kevin, Kevin, just a quick thought uh, for, I think I'm a little bit older than you and, and I had to suffer in a not so great way because I remember the Oriole way. Now we won the Tigers, the Detroit Tigers being here and Al Crest, we broadcast from Ann Arbor, Michigan, just a suburb of Detroit. But I remember the Oriole Way and respecting you guys uh, and uh, how we lost, I mean, several years, <laughs> you were our nemesis. And I remember when you guys had four pitchers who had 20 win seasons when I was a kid, uh, Dobson, McNally, Cuellar, and uh, Palmer. And uh, you guys you guys were great. And you're in and you're out. And so I remember those days well. I mean, I admire them in... in <laughs> In one sense, but it was it was a different type of sacrifice for us. But uh, yeah, you remember those two because you know the the Orioles won what eighty eighty two eighty three, eighty three I believe, uh, and uh, just a great tradition. Not only with people like uh, as time went on, Eddie Murray, the great Eddie Murray, who's a Hall of Famer, but also Cal Ripken, who epitomized so much so well with his Iron Man breaking the seemingly unbreakable streak of Lou Gehrig in consecutive games and broke it by several hundred. So the Orioles, for you in that way, uh, were role models of sorts about how they conducted themselves, yes? Yeah, well, that's it. That's it, Tom. You know, I, I uh, was thinking about our church now and how, you know, we're, we're, we're in travail times, and I was yeah. thinking about the Orioles. And, and I really, uh, I'm, an, I'm an enormous Orioles fan, and now that they're playing well, it's fun, it's, they've been fun to watch. So I've been thinking about the old, old Oriole way, and for your listener, there's very few will know the Oriole way, but it was it simply it was this. It was it was a system wide um, stressing of the fundamentals. So clear objectives were set. So essentially, it was 
it wasn't practice makes perfect. It was perfect practice makes perfect. Mm. So you really core drilled down and making sure there was no mistakes. You, you wouldn't make mental state, mistakes, physical mistakes, and you sort of waited the other team out to make a mistake to win the game. So, so the Orioles, for 30 years, they, they had the um, sort of the model franchise. Kind of doing and, the right things as well as you can and, and really focusing on the fundamentals. That, well, that's it, Tom. That's it. They stressed the fundamentals. And, and um, they lost the Oriole way when they started to do some really um, silly, I'll just say stupid things. They, 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 they won the World Series in 83, and they got into the free agent market because they lost their way. They, they stopped stressing the fundamentals, their farm system, player development, scouting. So they lost all their youth. They lost their, their upcoming talent. So they went out and got up some aging, fading stars. Mm. And they became a baseball laughing stock. They lost 21 games in a row to start the season in '88. And and I and I and I guess I'll just wrap it up by saying this: I I'm thinking of the Catholic Church today. It, it sure. seems to me that um, because they they um, well let's let's just say they've taken their eye off, as G.K. Chesterton said, the big laws, and they started to sort of look at the small laws. They sort of lost their way. Kind of like a baseball analogy too, like you know, taking your eye off the ball and and therefore losing your focus. If we may make a well, yeah, there's baseball. a million baseball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a million of them that we could use. And sure, and the church. It's simply it's this time. If the church just simply returned to two thousand years of what it knows to be right, true, noble, and radiant. Yes, sir. We can come back, and and I'm of the opinion that it will not. It simply will not be. Um, the synod and synodality, although it might be well-intentioned, I, I, um, it won't be these institutions of new ideas of female deacons or, you know, uh, more accompaniment, more listening, more, more same-sex blessing. If they just focus on the big laws of what Christ intended when he founded the church, we, we, we wouldn't be in this, in this wintertime that we're in. And, and uh, so, so that's sort of where I am. Yeah, you know, you make a good connection between focusing on the big laws versus the small laws. Because I think, you know, small laws can be important, but actually they end up being bad laws or, or, or self-deceiving laws because we've lost our sight on the on that which is um, definitive and, and therefore unchanging. And I think with regard to what do you think of this is the whole thing of following a big law, for example, um, you know, accompaniment. And I think of the great group Courage. And I think of Paul Darrow, who uh, did ever desire the everlasting way for the group Courage helps people, uh, accompanying people in a good way uh, with same-sex attractions. And then I think, as you noted, that Cardinal Holrick, who is the head of the Synod on Synodality, he's talking about, well, it's kind of the church's, our teaching is kind of out of uh, touch, and it's it doesn't hold true to current science and sociology, and it's like... Um, Timeless truths are by nature timeless, and that becomes a concern because even saying, oh, this is not Vatican III, well, your other statements make it sound like you don't need to formally change the teaching, as we've seen in some things like uh, where we've had cases where people, well, uh, you don't have to formally say those who are divorced or remarried without an annulment can receive communion. All you got to say is, well, that's a possibility. And then, then you start saying, well, the Argentinian bishops as well, if you talk to your confessor and it's okay, you basically in effect have an impact where people are disobeying life-giving teaching and abandoning the cross. And at least with the cross, we're with Christ. When we abandon the cross, we're at sea by ourselves and, and messed up. And so I think the thing, a good analogy for what you're saying is, is with regard to Cardinal Hulrich and what he said versus a good group like Courage and, and, and encouraging people like that. 
Well, of course. I mean, I, I believe that Kyle Hall, Kyle, Cardinal Hallerick is making a bunch of, to continue the analogies, Bill Buckner errors. I mean, mm. errors that cost, tell, costly. Tell people who Bill Buckner is from 1986. Poor, poor Bill Buckner let a, a ground ball go through his legs in the World Series and on Mookie Betts, Mookie Betts, like like dribbler down the first line, <laughs> and they cost the Red Sox World Series. So yes, really, it's, yes. it, it's funny, 86. but it's not. It's, yeah. it's, we're making enormous errors right now in real time, and we're making a lot of errors. You know, we're, we're striking out in the bottom of the ninth with bases loaded. And mm. I don't want to continue with more of the sports analogy. No, but it's... But it's we're, we're, it is getting it is getting to a point on the cusp of the synod and synodality that we are allowing 363, I, I guess, of these of these voters of the instrumental laborists to really, uh, they say, follow, listen to the Holy Spirit. But but I'll be honest here, I'll be frank. You know, do you really think that these uh, that many of these voters are modernist laity and modernist clergy, modernist bishops? Do you really think that they do not want same sex blessings? Do you think they do not want female deacons? I'll be candid and say I think that is exactly what they want. Mm. So, so they can listen to the word Holy Spirit and couch it that way. Sure. But I, I do, I do believe. Last thing here, Tom, I, I believe that this, this is an attempt to subvert the synod, the moral doctrine of the Catholic Church. Yeah, and 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 I remember writing about with the Morris Letizia back in 2016, and when um, the Pope came out with it, and he says, "Oh, you know, this is just people saying, oh, it's just one little footnote, but it's what everybody started emphasizing." And I know somebody, Kevin, as far as how things can go, and this whole thing about, well, can people divorced, remarried, receive uh, the, the Eucharist? And I always like to say, sometimes, is it sex, sex or the sacrament? Which is more important? And are you going to live with Christ? And we all need fellowship when it says man should not be alone. That is not just people who get married, but people single. Whatever the case is, we all need solidarity with brothers and sisters in Christ, friends and family. And so with regard to that, I think people need to realize that um, we need to follow the Lord. And this whole thing with receiving the the, the, the Eucharist, if you're not in a state of grace, as St. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 11, and we can talk about it, uh, on the other side of the break about certain fundamentals we need to get back to, you're going to put yourself in difficulty. And I know of a person who approached a deacon in the Archdiocese of Detroit, and that deacon says, well, you know, it's okay because it was about marrying somebody who was divorced and, and was not Catholic and had not got an annulment or didn't get an annulment. And so it's okay. I can give you a blessing outside and I'll make sure you get the Eucharist. She goes, well, are you telling me such and such? And then she invoked a very well-known priest and then he quickly backpedaled. But this is what happens is when you see these things are said, they go down on the local level and it gives fuel to dissent uh, in in the practical day-to-day affairs. So you don't need to formally change something. Of course, you can't. The, the Holy Spirit will prevent that, praise God. Uh, and that's part of the protection of infallibility. But practically, people are misled. And it's a grave thing to mislead the faithful and we talk about the the millstone and being wrapped around people's necks that's not just little children being led astray that could be people small in the faith in terms of being vulnerable for one reason or another to being vulnerable to be led astray and and this can be a tremendous catastrophe god of mercy tom tom what you said it perfectly i would think as well now let's on the other side of the break we can talk about some of the things the fundamentals we need to go back to and i think this is a key point kevin i think that we need to realize that, you know, as much as people say, whether it's the Orioles or the New England Patriots or whatever your favorite sports team is, if you're a sports fan out there, that with the church, there are always these things that, you know, there are those desert times if you're a sports fan, right? 
that that is, are going to occur, and, and it's a reminder that sports cannot be a religion. But the beautiful thing about the faith is that even in difficult times, whether it's your diocese or universal church, whatever's going on, we always have the Eucharist, we always have confession, we always have adoration, we always have uh, personal prayer time. So on the other side of the break, I'd like to talk about that because that's the beauty of the church is that we're never ever like abandoned like the sports fan is where they've got to you know think that there's nothing else going on because my team's doing poorly we always have recourse to christ and we always have recourse to encountering him in the sacraments and prayer and all that i'm speaking to kevin wells former major league baseball writer we're talking about his article today in crisis magazine about dealing with the winter time in the church and how only the catholic way will save us we'll be back in a minute thank you god bless you Welcome back to Crest in the Afternoon. This is Tom Nash. I'm speaking to Kevin Wells, former Major League Baseball writer. And Kevin wrote a captivating piece today in the Crisis magazine called In This Wintertime, Only the Catholic Way Will Save Us. And it's about his longtime love for the Baltimore Orioles and how the Baltimore Orioles, great baseball team, great tradition. You've heard of the Patriot Way uh, for football fans in the NFL. Well, the Oriole Way preceded the Patriot Way. And uh, Baltimore was great with its baseball teams, especially from, oh, in the 60s into the 80s, uh, even into, and then late 80s, it kind of went off on a, on a bad spot. But we spoke in the first segment about how they lost their way, missing the fundamentals. And we also applied that today, or started applying it today, with regard to the church and how in our difficult times in this world that we live in, as well as in the church, that we need to refocus on the way, the Catholic way. And you know, the beautiful thing about it is that the way is what Christianity was talking about. The book of Acts, chapter 9, also 19, that Christianity was called the way. So the Catholic way is something that goes way back, scripturally based. And uh, Kevin, I was talking about how that the beautiful thing about the church is that we never, even in difficult times, unlike a sports fan where you have to endure the, the desert times, that there are always things that no matter how bad things are in your in the universal church or, or in a particular um, diocese or parish, we always have recourse to our Lord. And, and let's talk about some of those fundamentals that we always have recourse to and that are essential for renewal of the church. Very good, Tom. And, and before we get into those, fun, those sure. sacred fundamentals, I, wanna, I just want to <clears throat> kind of set it up. I So drawing back to sports again, when, when the Orioles finally tried they, they they built a new ballpark so they got new revenue streams and they suddenly found themselves flush with money mm. so they said oh well this is a new springtime we'll we'll go back to the oriole way we'll, we'll fix how bad we've become as a friend as an organization well they didn't do that it was the fall springtime what they did was they went out and purchased steroidal baseball players you mm. know really some clubhouse cancers i hate to say it, but bobby Benilla was one uh, Will Clark, others, you know, sure. just bad players, had a lot of talent, yeah. but it just was terrible cl- clubhouse chemistry. So they were trying with this beautiful new ballpark. Yeah, Camden Yard's one of the most beautiful, and also, I love it, it, it blends the best of tradition and, and uh, modern technology. Exactly, and, and, and Tom, it's, it's beautiful, and I do sense that um, this synod and synodality, millions of Catholics will, will see it. They, they will see this as sort of a streamlined construction of a glorious new Catholic edifice, mm. just like Camden Yards. Mm. However, it, the Camden Yards couldn't handle the awful 
state of the baseball that mm. was played on the field. And I don't know if the synod is going to cover up years of neglect of de-emphasizing the sacred Catholic heirlooms, the Holy Rosary, that if they're actually, there is grave sin that can take us to hell. Catholics do go to hell. God of mercy. You know, yeah. The, yeah, the need, right, right, Tom, the need, the need, the need to strive for a life of virtue and holiness. So, so, so until, Tom, and I'm leading up to your question, sure. until we return, return, because I do see the synod with, with, you know, there's going to be a push for female deacons. There's mm. going to be a push for the same-sex blessings. There will be a strong push for this. But that, I see that sort of as fake steroidal muscle, like, like chemically fake muscle of baseball players. It's going to wither. It's going to die. It, it will not work until you return to the roots of, Tom, what you and I are going to get at here. Yeah, you know, one thing quick on, on a clarification on the deacons. I mean, people have talked about, you know, can you have a deaconess in the sense of early church where they were not ordained to the uh, holy orders? That's a possibility. But what people were really wanting is they want to have you know, ordination. Well, okay, we can't be priests, but we want to be deacons. Well, no, you can't be, because as we know, once one is ordained a deacon, there's not a theological impediment to becoming a priest. It's a juridical one. That's why you can have, for example, married priests, uh, and you can have a deacon who becomes, once you're a deacon, you can be ordained, even in special permission, even if you're married. That's why, I mean, it's, it's just a theological impossibility. It's not saying men or women are inferior to men by no means, but rather that equality doesn't mean sameness. And this is the kind of like, this is misunderstanding the priesthood. It's misunderstanding the hierarchical nature of the church that, as we know, the Pope is called the servant of the servant, the servant of the servants of God. And um, Pope John Paul II in particular really played that out well. And and so it's all about service and ministry, not about power, but those who are wanting to push deaconesses in terms of ordained women deacons, which is a theological impossibility, um, have got the wrong idea, and, and therefore it's inadmissible, of course. Excellently put, Tom. Excellently put. Yeah, and you mentioned the, the things there. Uh, one of the things you mentioned as, as getting back to the fundamentals and intensified prayer life and people might think, oh, gosh, an hour a day, I can't do that. But even if you break it up, even, you know, 10 or 15 minutes during the day, making sure, you know, praying if your spouse later at night, uh, it can be broken up. Even if you just do 10 or 15 minutes a day consistently, that's a great thing to do. Yeah, I, I, um, I in my own life, and, I, and Tom, I, I, I imagine you feel the same, that if I yeah. don't have uh, a serious prayer life, it's like the umbilical cord to heaven. If, if I'm not yeah. praying, the cord is cut and graces aren't coming down. So so I, I, I simply... You know, I have to start the day early. The family's still asleep, and sure. light a candle and sit on my prayer chair, and really get into scripture and, and contemplative. You know, really med- meditative prayer. And because if I'm not starting the day like that, it, it doesn't work. So, so really, it's really rich. It's 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 a it's a beautiful time of the day. So you're right. Some of us we we have to get out of the house early, and an hour of prayer in the morning is tough. But w- what's better than a half hour in the morning, and then a half hour with your spouse or you're not married just at the end of the day what what, what, a, what a great way to, to bookend the day and if there's any question about the effectiveness i mean can anybody imagine in any friendship uh and of course ideally with marriage if people are called a marriage or just at work where you are not in when you don't have good communication with coworkers, when you don't have good communication with your close friends when you don't have good communication with your spouse things suffer so when we realize that works on the human level how much more that we need to cultivate that interior life with god yeah, he, he, God is so desirous of feeding us with the help that we need for that 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 coworker. You know, he he wants us to see that coworker with his eyes, 
Mm. And they're not our eyes. And in prayer, he shows us how. You mentioned also, and we're doing the whole, we're in the era, uh, of the, the period of Eucharistic revival. And I think it's crucial. Uh, I would encourage any pastor, a crucial thing is, how is the tabernacle set up in your church? Even if it's not in the center, and I think it's ideal to be in the center for various reasons, is is it ornate? Is it is it something that really attracts people's attention? That's crucial. And then just for ourselves, are we spending time either before or after Mass, or going to the Adoration Chapel or praying before the Eucharist? This is a fundamental, of a, a wonderful encounter that we Catholics have to encounter our Lord, and it's a s- source and summit of the whole Catholic faith that is, the Holy Sacrifice, the Mass, that we need to do that so that we can have that strength to be all that we can be to our spouses, to our co-workers, as you say, also to the to the poor and you know other corporal works of mercy. We need to have that encounter and strengthen with Christ so we can be all that we can are called to be otherwise because we'll have that power. We can do all things in Christ who strengthens us, uh, as St. Paul says in his letter to the Corinthians, chapter 413. Well, certainly. I mean, if we believe that that host is Jesus Christ, then we, I imagine, <clears throat> would want to, are magnetically pulled to be around him, mm. to center our lives around him. And part of that is not only receiving him in a state of grace, but if we can, however possible, get in front of the tabernacle, stick your nose in front of the monstrance, and spend time in his, emphasize his presence, because it is him. We, we, we do this all for him. So, yeah, the Eucharist for me is, is really, it's, it's one and one A with prayer and the Eucharist. You know, it, obviously the Eucharist is, is first because it's Jesus. But those two, that's why I sort of prioritize those, those as the first, one, first two on the list. Sure. And, and then as far as if people can't get to daily Mass, and that's understandable for different family responsibilities, work responsibilities, there's the whole thing of a spiritual communion. And I, you, one can go online to various Catholic websites to, to learn how to do you, Even if it's ad hoc, say, Lord, may I receive you in the graces of the sacrament, even if I cannot receive you in, in your real presence. Uh, this is something that one can do at home as, as a means of part of their daily prayer. In addition, you mentioned f- more frequent confessions. And I think this is crucial, especially for men. And maybe talk about your own life about confession, Kevin, that this is very, I think, important, especially for men when they have to bear their soul and go before the Lord, that this could be a tremendous means by which to revive their participation in the faith, to realize how uh, important it is to follow the Lord and that his teaching is not a constraint, but actually life-giving. And then also that they'll have the power to be all they can be to their spouses and their friends. I just think confession is absolutely indispensable to a Eucharistic revival. Well, it is. It's it's everything. So, so first of all, oftentimes maybe people think of confession as just sort of um, not multidimensional, but it mm. is enormous. The things that take place. First of all, a man. We're just talking man to man here. Sure, has to spend time to dig deep into his conscience and really go face. It's almost kind of like grab the face mask uh, of himself and say, "Okay, let me size myself up. Let me get myself." Right. So he mm. kind of, he spends time in prayer to dig up the, the serious sin in his life. And then, and then he gets in line <laughs> and it's not easy. It's just not easy. So, sure. so he has to humble himself yep. and then he presents himself to father and he, and he coughs it up. You know, he just gets it out. Father, father listens and hopefully father every now and then will give him um, some direction there. But the greatest part of it all is the power People forget that you're not just absolved of your sin, but Father is empowering you. I see it as almost like Pentecost. It's almost yeah. like a breath of power is is just, uh, you know, once the sin leaves in that void, 
comes that sacramental grace. So it's it's indispensable the way I see it. If if we want to sort of go forward during this time in the church, we, we've got to get the sin out of us. Yeah, you also mentioned two other things, increased time with Scripture and spiritual reading, as well as uh, devotion to our Blessed Mother, who is our our role model par excellence. Yeah, I don't, I, I, I to me, Tommy, and I think probably to you too, it, they seem like, you hate to say it, no-brainers. I, we, yeah. we, we need to have a devotion to Mary because she maternally protects us. She our spiritual she mother. It. You know, Re- Revelation twelve to... seventeen makes that very clear. She's our spiritual mother, whom the devil goes after, yeah, I, goes after her and us. Can't do anything yeah, to her she, now. <laughs> but go yeah, ahead, I'm sorry. Tom, she, and she asked us. She said, hey, yeah. come to me and pray the rosary. I mean, she asked yeah. us. So why, why do we want to turn down mom? You know, so exactly. we go to her in the rosary. And, and I guess lastly, yeah, I mean, I, it, it, the, at the end of the day, you know, I, 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 every night before I go to bed, I have a book in my hands because it's, it's good to go to bed at night with, with some good spiritual thoughts in our head. And, and that's how we sort of shut the light and, and call it a day is, is some good spiritual reading in Scripture. Yeah, and Scripture, you know, it, it can even be if you can't make it a daily Mass, you can go and read the readings for the next day. Oftentimes I'll do that because I like to participate as much as possible in daily Mass. And that we're doing it. And Our Lady says, do whatever He tells you. And of course, Our Lord says, I'm the way, the truth, and life. And the one, and as we know as Catholics, it's Scripture and tradition. And, and Scripture is a great way by which we can encounter our Lord and grow closer to Our Lady and the saints who are His friends. Uh, Kevin, how can uh, people stay in touch with you and the work you do? Kevin yep. At KevinWells.org, I think it's probably the easiest place. Okay, great. Well, all the best to the Orioles going forward. We hope that the Tigers here in Detroit make a little bit of a run. But, Kevin, thank you so much for your witness, for your writing, for your witness as a family man. God bless you in all things. And we'll be back, Crest in the Afternoon, after these messages.